It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name's James Trippy. This is my show, and today we're at New Japan Pro Wrestling for various things. Um, actually, chronologically, we should start with new beginnings at New Japan Strong, we'll, but we'll discuss that in a minute. So let's start off with the man who's joining me today. That'll be Mr. John Dinsdale of Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good, thanks. This wasn't as bad as the last New Japan you had me look at, so <laughs> I'm, I'm actually in high spirits. Also fueled by Monster. Yes, it was a tale of three days. On Friday, it was... New Japan Strong New Beginnings, which featured a main event match of John Moxley defending the United, IWGP <laughs> United States Heavyweight Championship against Kenta, um, widely believed to be the biggest audience New Japan Strong has had since its run started 29 episodes ago. And I have to say, it was a pretty good match. It was kind of what we expected. However, did suffer badly from having no crowd. Um, because I don't think Mox has been used to having no crowd matches. Kenta was because of the New Japan Cup, his New Japan Cup run last year. But I think it was the first time I've watched a match on New Japan Strong and go, I really miss the audience. It's, you know, like AEW has a small audience of technicians and wrestlers and a few guests socially distanced, doesn't it? Whereas this was just, that's it. (laughs) And it seemed to struggle. But other than that, the actual match content was great. It was what you expected to see. But I feel it perhaps could have waited until they were on US soil somewhere. But there you go. Did you get to see that, John? Um, I watched the second two matches. I didn't quite catch the um, opening tag, despite the fact that looking at the results, I missed Brody King and ACH on the same team. Along with the Regal brothers in an eight-man yeah. tag. Against the DKC, Kevin Knight, Clark Connors, and TJP, everyone's favorite. <laughs> Three of North America's finest independent talent and TJP. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right, he's not a bad wrestler. Awful human being, but not a bad wrestler. Anyway, so that was the Friday night. What did you think of Mox and Kenta then? What do you think of that feud in overall? The over, if you will. See, it's a great feud when you think about the two wrestlers involved in it because they couldn't be more sort of opposite if they tried. Kenta's always been this sort of disciplined fighter type. He's very traditional when it comes to wrestling. Whereas Moxley is just a wild man who does whatever the hell he feels like. And somehow makes it work a lot of the time. It's like even in Bloodspot, he's just kind of a, a bit of a savage and a bit of a wild man, and it works. So to have them sort of clash for months where they can't actually fight and just keep teasing and sniping to the invasion with Kenta in AEW, and just, yeah, the build up to it has been amazing. The match itself was pretty good. I feel like, again, it would have benefited from a crowd. Yeah, it's two guys. It's two guys. I mean, you look at Kenta in the last twelve months in New Japan, has absolutely lived through pissing people off in the audience. That has been his key thing. When you've got no audience to piss off, it makes it a lot harder. I also just feel like the. 
actual match they were going for would have just benefited from like mm. crowd interaction because yeah. it it was a very I don't know how to describe it. It just didn't feel right until the sort of last stretch. Yeah, yeah. Just Which, it was all right. It wasn't anything wrong with it. In fact, it was quite good. It's just it lacked yeah. that certain je ne sais quoi that these things made. Red. A lot of opinions and like a lot of people who I know that have watched the match kind of like I, did, I couldn't get into it until like the last few minutes. Yeah, and I kind of agree with them because mm. it's just some of it just doesn't work without a crowd. Like it's watchable. It's more than watchable. It is damn good because of the two people involved in it. Like I'm never gonna shit on a Moxley match. I know John Moxley. He's amazing. I know, but it's and it sounds like we're nitpicking a bit, but we're not really. It's just. Just a little bit, that's all. It's one of we those see... things where if you watch it, you'll get what we mean. If you sort of think about yeah. it a couple of seconds, you're like, ah, oh, I wish people could react to this. Oh, well. And then on Saturday morning, or Friday night, if you were in Osaka, uh, we were at Osaka Joe Hall. I'm sorry, I can't call it Eddie on Arena. I'm sure Eddie on are lovely people and it's a very nice company. But it's Osaka Joe Hall. That's, that's where it is. Says someone cage match. Anyway, I mean, the New Japan site refers to it as Osaka Joe Hall. Yes, <laughs> maybe they should just buy out the Eddie on sponsorships so they could just call it Osaka Joe Hall. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. The Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, tag team with everyone's least favorite proud boy cosplay specialist Billy Emotion Spray to defeat Hiroshi Tenantashi, Tenkoji, and yeah, sorry, and Tenkoji. Hiroshi Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima in 10 minutes and 22 seconds of the usual tomfoolery. It made it nice that it was a kind of big boys feel to this opener rather than young boys taking it in the neck like they normally do. So it was kind of cool to have something different. Unfortunately, five of these people are awesome and one isn't. Your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, it was a bold move to open with Osprey, considering some people just see that on their screen and turn it off. Yeah, yeah. It's That's like it. A- I feel sorry for Jeff Cobb and Great Okan, because it's like sure Cobb has the sponsor, the suplex stuff, which people don't like him for. But I imagine that's just a contract thing. And you've got Okan, who's just great, teaming with a tool, a tool that gets the win and a tool that gets most of the time in the match. It's just, uh, it's a good tag. It's a good opening tag. It sets yeah. up the stories you want for tomorrow, sure, and it's. It's got its moments, but it's it's just Osprey. Yeah, that, I think that's the issue. It's just just awful person. There's no doubting his wrestling talent. He is very good at what he does. Um, and we've argued on this show he may be the greatest British wrestler of all time. However, he's a shit, and do we can't we, get away from that. Do we want to tackle the other problematic bit of wrestling news now involving Japan? <laughs> Well, whilst we're at it, and before we get to the other problematic person on this card, but less, why not? It was, and well, not announced, it was revealed this week. New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Tapings featured one Marty Skrull, long uh, blackballed out of the British wrestling industry, and fired from Ring of Honor um, for, well, essentially... Grooming a 16-year-old girl, or allegedly grooming a 16-year-old girl, I should say. 
Uh, and the, after the accusations of that, he was relieved of his post as a wrestler and booker at Ring of Honor Wrestling and has been looking for a job ever since. And the place that he landed ended up to be New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, strong and try, frankly, for Rocky Romero's front office desk, which perhaps he should not be of anywhere near, considering the fact close friends of his work for AEW and they won't touch him with a barge pole. So there we are. Really? You know, if you've got two companies, PR, PR department say not on your life, I don't see why New Japan should be even going anywhere near him. This has kind of been New Japan in a nutshell, though, hasn't it? And a lot of people have started calling this out because they seem to have such a lax sort of attitude towards, like, Western, like, well, not offenders as such, but, like, tainted Western goods. Like, yeah. they accept Osprey with open arms, they accept Chase Owens with open arms, now they're going to accept Marty Skull with open arms. It just seems to be so disinterested in what's happening in the wider world and just how arsehole these people have been. So it's, just, it's really starting to sort of just wear people out on New Japan. Like, I think that's... So many people sort of just like, oh, I'm done with New Japan after this. It's like, they've you keep giving them chance and chance and chance and they're just not going to do anything about the people no, that nobody wants to see. Yeah. And, you know, this story was broken by Sean Ross at Fightful, who did put it behind his Patreon paywall and then decided against it after a discussion with various of the wrestling journalists who suggested this was too big of news to be left behind a paywall. And Sean apologised and did put it out front and centre because it was big news. Um, and But this is the thing. I don't think... I think they're playing a game of these guys are available and they're talented and therefore they're cheap because they can't get work anywhere else and things will die down eventually but I'm not sure it will and to be honest with you if you look at the British crowd at the uh, of the Okada Suzuki show in at the Copper Box whose name I can't remember Royal Quest Royal Quest that's the one if you look at the crowd Yes, who were, quite frankly, one of the most liberal wrestling crowds I'd ever seen as they started chanting, fuck your Brexit, and made very politically correct statements through their chanting throughout the evening to the point where one conservative wrestling fan felt uncomfortable and had to leave. <laughs> wasn't Will Cooling, was it? I don't think it was Will Cooling, no, it was somebody else. I, I, I mentioned it, I was like, but you went to a New Japan show, and most New Japan shows are liberal, what did you expect? Um, but anyway, yeah, I can't even imagine what would happen if they tried to run a live show in the UK now. Obviously, they can't. Um, but it, it depends on where they run it and what size of the audience is. The bigger the audience, the actual harder time I think they're going to have because the small audience is going to be the hardcore ref pro audience who don't care. Um, so I don't care that much, I should say. I'm sure some of them do. A lot of them cared very much when Sam Adonis came out with some homophobic comments. And Sam Adonis got five, five minutes after the debuting with the company. thing is, they've still got Osprey as champ. It's like, yeah. they, they can't care that much, otherwise they'd have stripped Osprey of the belt and told him to stay in Japan, because we don't want to see him anymore. Well, yeah, but they got a load of shit for that, did MDQ, you know, when they did their tapings in secret, which is fine, that's what they're supposed to do. 
Um, oh, you've still got Osprey. And you put in the belt on him. Oh, great. You really are supporting people, aren't you? Anyway. Yeah, I'll, I'll love it when the most... The day comes when the most problematic thing in Rev Pro is Mad Kurt. <laughs> and I love Mad Kurt. Oh, dear. Anyway, let's just move on to the second match of the evening. Tangaloa defeated Yoshihashi in 12 minutes and 58 seconds in a match that happened. Yeah, I can't remember this one that well, to be honest. Like, I remember trash-talking Yoshihashi getting beaten down, a screwy finish, and yeah, that's about it. You're lucky, really, because that's pretty much what happened. I think the issue is what they wanted from this. um, What they wanted from this was to try and um, kind of get that big match feel where Yoshihashi has the big comeback and you know he's beat down for a while but that requires gradual sell and Yoshihashi was on off and Tangaloa said the right things but he didn't have the moves to set the things up he was trying to set up if that makes sense because mm-hmm. he's a power he's a power-based wrestler he's kind of on and off as well so when you've got an emotional reaction that's kind of binary and a wrestler that's kind of binary, it doesn't really click when you want to do things at gradual build, especially when you've only got 10 minutes to do it in. This is one of the few New Japan matches where I figure if they had 20 minutes, it actually probably yeah, would have been a lot better. minutes here. Yeah, it probably would have been a lot better if they'd had 20. However, is what it is. It was kind of a piece of useless fluff that was to set things up for the next night, and it did. And there's nothing wrong with that. And Tamatonga came in with a run-in at the end, uh, which set off Hiroki Goto to save Yoshihashi, who was selling like death. And we kicked off into the next matchup, which may have been even worse. <laughs> now, this According... one, I, I genuinely can't remember. Like, apparently I... it only lasted six minutes, and I can only remember the finish and a couple of moves from Tama. That's it. I, I can't remember this, and I only watched it yesterday. When you consider the first match got 4.39 votes from the cage match users, and the second match was considered even worse. <laughs> um, yeah, it. I think as well, Tamatonga and Tangaloa, you should be able to do the job whether you're singles wrestlers or tag team wrestlers. They wrestle like tag team wrestlers doing singles matches, not singles wrestlers. Does that make sense? Which is weird, considering we know that both of them are capable of singles matches. So what they happened are. here? I don't know. Something just did not click. But when you fast forward 24 hours, work their socks off. One of the best matches on the card. So what the hell happened? <laughs> I'm anyway. I'm feeling that some of these matches were just kind of cobbled together because they got to a few days before like the big shows and they're like oh crap we've got two match slots left what the hell do we do we've already well, said the young lions don't need to come in um crap let's just do these two singles matches with these tag teams are we sure we want to go with that no but it's gonna have to do well to me i mean the theme of castle attack was chaos versus bullet club and that's sensible and it kind of cuts down the roster and you can focus on some guys and it means the story's gonna make sense but it just looked like these two should never wrestle in singles together. These four guys should never wrestle each other as singles wrestlers ever again. And I think everyone would be a lot better off. But there yeah. we go. Uh, anyway, next match after that was the NJPW King of Pro Wrestling Provisional 
2021 YTR style Texas strap match featuring Dorianu and he defeated Chase Owens, the Texas heavyweight champion and uh, apparently, again, allegedly groomer of underage underage uh, underage women. 12 minutes and 50 seconds. This was actually entertaining. Again, it's Chase Owens, so I don't like like talking about it too much. And this is the point I have like the terrifying feeling like it was the running joke with us that we essentially North Korea'd Michael Elgin and didn't talk about him for two years on the podcast, despite the fact he was a New Japan regular. And we would just say, you know, um, Yoshihashi had a singles match against Mr. Invisible and things like that. And we did that for years. And But I can't do that now because we'd just not talk about Arthur Oster. I feel, miss- like, I feel like it's better to say the names anyway so people don't forget that they're a dick. It's a possibility. I mean, everybody knew who we were talking about. But... Yeah, it's easy when there's only one person, but here we go. Anyway, this was actually a surprisingly entertaining matchup and actually maybe Yano's best match of the year. It was pretty stiff. You kind of suspected it would be kind of like a pulled match considering the people involved and it wouldn't involve any strap work at all. But to give them both the devil they due, they both actually took the belt um, really well and did big spots with it. And it was clever and it was funny and it was mindless fluff that finished at filled 12 minutes and 50 seconds and furthers the king of pro wrestling storyline. And I think that's ace. And I'm quite happy with that. Uh, just wish Chase Owens was there. John, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. Much like you, I was kind of expecting a sort of weak, sort of strat match type deal. But no, this this is the most work I've seen Yano do in ages. And both of them took some quite nasty shots. This This genuinely was way better than it should have been. And again, putting personalities aside, Owens knows how to work in the ring. And he definitely put on his boots for this one, as did Yano. It was great fun to watch. I actually would like to see Toru Yano as the Texas heavyweight champion. I think that would be ace. Even though I don't want to see Chase Owens wrestle for it again. I think, think, you know, somebody should just like, I think apparently Dr. Tom Pritchard handed Chase Owens that title. Perhaps he should just take it back and give it to Yano. Anywho, let us move on to more serious matters. And by gum, it don't get much more serious than this. Tomohiro Ishii, the pit bull, the stone pit bull, did lose to Jay White in 25 minutes and 42 seconds in a heart-stopping professional wrestling match. This may be the match of the year. It may be the match of the year all year. This was outstanding work. A simple narrative told exceptionally well by two surgical professional wrestlers who tugged on your heartstrings for 25 minutes and 42 seconds. It does not get any better than this. John, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm in full agreement. This was amazing. Like, I, you look at the two people involved, you know, it's going to be good, and then they make it even better than you expect. That's, that's talent right there. Like, Ishii can't have a bad match. Yeah, White can't really have a bad match. This was better than the Wrestle Kingdom main event because it went almost half the time and told just as good a story with just as heavy a hitting action. It was brilliant. Yeah, it just just was so good. Really, really good. And you can't really, you know, you cannot complain at this match at all. It was just outstanding. 
You get to see Ishii use his head like a bloody rocket. <laughs> as well, the rib injury was such a good sell. As well, it was such a good point to sell on because ribs, uh, like, it, it, it made White look strong. He had plenty of stuff to go with. It made Ishii look like he was an underdog again. It was perfect. Just such a well-told story. He's done so perfectly. And Ishii's so good at selling. That's what people forget about it. Yeah, he's tough and he takes all his big hits and does the big bumps, but he sells so well because you rarely see him make any emotion, do you? You know? So, yeah, it's awesome. Just so awesome. Um, I can't really say anything more about that. We said we'd talk about it for 45 minutes, but the layout was so good. It's just, you've just got to go see it, haven't you? You cannot yeah, do it just It's this. one of these matches that sort of just leaves it all in the ring, and the more you try to talk about it, the more you struggle because you just like, it was really damn good. Like, you could name every move they did, and you'd still just be like, you know what, just watch it. Like, just watch it. It, it, it works better than me trying to describe it to you. Okay, let us move on to the main event of the evening. Kazuchika Okada defeated Evil in a special singles match, 28 minutes and 11 seconds, in a perfectly acceptable main event. This was oh, 28 minutes. It, it, it kind of... It, longer than that. I didn't think it went that went along that badly, and I was kind of hooked into it, but it wasn't going to be, you know, friggin' Flair Steamboat or anything. It was all right. But again, and it, this is the whole story. The whole story is chaos are the protectors of King Style, King Road. Uh, sorry, the Style again. They are the protectors of Strong Style. They are here to have wrestling matches. They may be kind of the bad guys from time to time, but they do it in a straight up manner. That's what chaos has always stood for, and it's always been about. So the the reason why they're the natural rub against Bullet Club because Bullet Club is by any means necessary. And this match was kind of settled for once and all, which is the best way forward to go for Japanese wrestling, hence Chaos versus Bullet Club. There was deep underlying motion behind this particular card. Um, I'm not sure it translated all the way through the wrestling, and that's partly because of the interference itself, because it tends to slow the narrative down and doesn't fit in with the narrative that you're trying to sell people. Having said that, the correct thing happened the Chaos team won, so therefore the defenders of Strong Style and Fighting Spirit are there, and they're the ones that take the company forward, um, and the bad guys didn't lose too much heat in the process. It was complex and convoluted storytelling with two guys who can do that kind of thing if they're given the tools to do the job, but by the very nature of having Dick Togo at ringside, you kind of get stuck with that, don't you? Does that make sense? Yeah. To be fair, Dick Togo is the only bit I can actually remember of this match, which kind of sucks, considering it's an Okada match, and Okada usually does great, but I am genuinely drawing a blank apart from the bit where um, Dick Togo is running away from Okada up the ramp, and I was just thinking in my head, why is Dick Togo running away from Okada? <laughs> Dick Togo could probably have, on, have him on the mat, like on the ramp, choked out without breaking a sweat why is he running away and why has he just been gibbed it's like what's what's going on here yes as you said it's a perfectly good match but i'm you're not gonna remember it a day later (laughs) well (laughs) if you me like yeah i i I didn't even watch i watched this show less than 24 hours ago and i can't remember three of the matches on the card like that yeah I mean, don't get me wrong, 
it's better than New Beginnings, but it's it's still not great because like the wrestling was good at the time, but it was forgettable the second you saw something else. Yeah, which was the next day, back at Osaka Joe Hall on a card that was way better. So we'll start talking about that now. Uh, yeah, 3,218 on the second night. 1,840. Well, yeah, that's reflected in, in, the, in the draw for the evening. Like on the Saturday, they only got 1,800. And on the Sunday, they got 3,216. Because people want to see Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Nato. They don't necessarily want to see Evil versus Okada. I feel like Ishii versus White should have been the main event. Even if, think, even if it doesn't fit the narrative, it was the way better match. Well, that's the kind of the thing, though. As much as I love Ishii, and as much as I love White, they're not the draw Okada is, so you stick him on top. But I don't think anyone was scrambling to see Evil versus Okada, to be honest. Um, which is unfortunate, and that's just the way it is. But equally... People would clearly white and white and Ishii didn't draw either because they want the people didn't want to see that either. But there you go; these things happen, I suppose. Anyway, let's move on to night two, which was a much bigger crowd. Uh, Tenkoji, Hiroshi Tenzan, and Satoshi Kojima defeated Billy No Mates in his cultural appropriation shit show in six minutes and fifty-six seven seconds. Hammered by the legends, the United uh, Empire sent home with a tail between their legs. Uh, which is kind of double kind of job here. One, it shows that a great tag team will always win out over two great singles wrestlers. And secondly, it sets Kojima and Tenzan up for a run at the New Japan Cup and makes them believable challengers because Kojima's actually had a very good year, but Tenzan has not done much singles wrestling this year except match with the great Okan and kind of needs to have some ring time to make his presence more felt. And if they're going for the field of 32 in the New Japan Cup this year, they need all the help they can get. John, what's your thoughts? Yeah, this this was good. Like, I, I do love these types of matches where it's, like, Legends versus, like, the younger guys, and then the Legends get their big win. I just, much like Gino was, I'm kind of confused why Tenzon got away with using Mongolian chops. Oh, I don't... I, they're not Mongolian chops. They are Osaka hacks. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Yes, I, I, I know they look very similar, but if you actually look at the wrist rotation angle, it is slightly different. Right, right. I'm, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll keep seeing those Osaka hacks <laughs> since he can no longer use the Mongolian chops. But yeah, this, this was perfectly fine. It's. Again, it's an Osprey match. You you try to forget he's in the ring most of the time. It's like Cobb really pulled his way at these for these two opening matches. Yeah, he did. And to be fair, Cobb's just been great all year, to be honest. He did great at Bloodsport the past couple of weekends. He did great against Shingo. It's again it's it's a good year for Cobb so far. Just, that boy is a workhorse, isn't he? I just wish he wasn't stuck in this low rent gimmick with Billy Normate. Mm, but there we are. That's that's going to be a trend throughout this card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, chaos. Kazuchika Kada, Tommy Hiroishi, and Toru Yano 
Defeated Bullet Club, Chase Owens, Evil and Jay White, thus cementing the fact that Chaos are better than Bullet Club in 8 minutes and 35 seconds. Didn't even take them that long. It was like, oh, I can't, I can't remember who got pinned either. It was Chase, wasn't yeah. it? He got He didn't got get pinned. pinned. He got submitted no. with a bloody money clip just to make yeah. things worse. Yeah, in like 30 seconds, he, he did get destroyed. But to be fair, that is something you've been calling for to make it look worthwhile. Yeah, but it's still just... New Japan have this horrible, horrible sort of thing with submissions where, bar a couple of people, you just don't believe anyone else doing them. Or at least doing them to a finisher standard. And I'm still not kind, quite convinced with Okada in the submission. Like, I know it's been approved by all these other people who use variations of it, and he's had the sort of Mexican training where it's... Mexican Lucha Libre training where submissions are more widely applied, but I just don't like the money clip. I think it's really anticlimactic, especially when you're tapping people and not putting them to sleep. If Owens had been choked out dead, then sure... I'd have accepted it. But when he's just there, sat in it for like 20 seconds and then he taps, it's just kind of like, ugh. I think that's the issue. I mean, I think one or two things. Um, First of all, New Japan don't have a sleeper count, which they should do, because that's the trouble is no one's used a sleeper in New Japan for 15 years. So the fans aren't educated into what a sleeper's supposed to do. Because it's an old school wrestling movie, no one really uses sleepers anymore. Not real ones, anyway. Um, but like you know, because a real sleeper doesn't look that much different to a kayfabe sleeper. It's just where you put the pressure points to make sure you don't like cut off the blood for us to prey on somebody. Um, but yeah, see, so you, you don't use. No one uses sleeper holds anymore. They use chokes, which people will tap out from, and they use chin locks, which people will tap out from. So first of all, the actual like universe of New Japan needs correcting, so it makes it more dramatic. Secondly, as well, it's out of position, and not all moves translate from all styles. If you saw Okada doing this in CMLL in Arena Mexico, it would make much more sense because the fans would go fucking crazy for it, wouldn't they? Because yeah. it's the right thing to do in the right place at the right time. So yeah, I understand what you're coming across, and it's been disappointing because it's come across as anticlimactic. But he had no chance to set it up because he didn't like just murder people with it, which is what he needed to do. If you get a new move as your finisher, you actually have to clinically finish people off with it to make it look like a threat. Like, if they want to take this sort of more dynamic booking approach, they should have had Okada just win in like two seconds with it against, I don't know, someone like, well, take Honma, for example. Mm. Just. 10 seconds into a match, knocks him down, applies it, game over, that's it. That's yeah. how you set up a deadly finish. You're not, oh, this person sat in it for two minutes now and he's still not tapped. Actually, yeah, this, I remember that in the Evil match as well, actually. The money clip sequences. You must have applied it like three times and couldn't get the job done with it. It's like, at that point, you just sort of like, why bother? Yeah. With it's the, the... They purposely made it a one-and-done thing for the longest time. Still do. One-winged angel, one-and-done. Here, yeah. it's, oh, just keep applying it. Just just keep going. It'll get there eventually. It's it's so just 
it's I know all, it's, it's a really deadly hold, but I'll never believe it coming from Okada. It's the other issue as well is uh, things like MMA and the popularity of grappling in the wider fandom means that we know that submission holds are supposed to just happen. You know, it's like Billy Robinson's theory, like the stake bit theory of if you go a submission hold somebody and they don't tap in six seconds, you move on to something else because it's not worked. And it's like, so Dole is sitting there for 20 seconds isn't going to, if it's like a one-off, then yeah, it's really dramatic. Bret Hart holding Steve Austin in the sharpshooter for like, what, three minutes? Because no one had done that before, had they? So therefore it makes sense. But in this particular case, it doesn't make sense. So yeah, that's where they've got to go with it, really. Anywho, let us move on to actually one of the best tag team matches I've seen in a very long time. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi did, did not climb the final hurdle when it came to the Gorillas of Destiny and somewhere Marcus Green is smiling quite heavily and has been all day because he saw this match this morning. Uh, Tama Tonga and Tangaloa, arguably the best tag team in the world right now, defeated Chaos, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi in 15 minutes and 40 seconds, 8 seconds of a classic New Japan tag team wrestling match. And it was great, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I would stack G.O.D. up against any of the teams in AEW, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, or WWE right now, because they're just that good. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, this is really when this card sort of started to pick up steam. This was great. It was everything you wanted from a tag title match. This just sort of proves that when you get rid of the goofy side stories, G.O.D. can just put on a clinic. They tortured Yoshihashi. They tortured Goto. And yeah, it was genuinely great. Plus, you got a couple of throwbacks to the singles matches, proving they were worth something. I especially appreciated Tongaloa going, oh no, you're not doing that again. Have a look. Yeah, it's... Karen. No, sorry, I was just going to comment on the finish, but you had a point. I was, I, no, I was just going to say there was also a lot of tag team Christmas between Goto and Hashi. The, they've evolved since they're running World Tag League. They're no longer calling spots. They're just wrestling and getting on with it, um, which bodes well for their six-man tag team title reign. There was loads of things that were... It was stories within stories and wheels moving forward. It's the kind of thing New Japan do really, really well. Which, again, beggars believe why they had such a terrible match the day before. But there you go. Eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah both, it, both teams had, like, great Arsenal's adult team moves. They yeah. were just, like, we already know G.O.D. have, a, like, a calvacator moves that can throw out at, at any given moment. But, like, seeing Hashi and Goto busting out these sort of tag maneuvers it's just like holy cow they're an actual team now this feels great they had a good run in um the world tag league they were very very good they didn't win quite they won more than i thought they would um but the issue was really it was like the the storyline issue was communication because there was a lot of verbal calling of shots and stuff which obviously slows things down as a tag team in the kayfabe world well, they had really good matches and they were really good performances. And again, these two work really well together because they've got similar personalities and similar kind of stories in the wrestling ring. But it, it just, and this is the kind of tag team wrestling you want to see. And 
like three years ago, me and Alex Edwards were discussing like why, but why do they bother with two tag team divisions when they can barely put together? Uh, they've got loads of great junior teams and no heavyweight teams, and now they've got loads of great heavyweight teams, but they've got they've only got one junior team left. So, but there you go. Alex is still talking about trying to merge the two team, merge the two divisions together. I'm not convinced myself, but anyway. Next up was the never open weight championship match. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Great Okan in 18 minutes and 44 seconds, but this was a blinding match, and it really places Great Okan as a heavyweight player long term. They're going slow with him, which I don't disapprove of, um, and it allows Tanahashi to establish himself in the never open weight division. Tellingly. Tanahashi is not going to wear the belt until he feels he deserves it as champion and he has had a proper never-open-weight division title defense. This wasn't it. It was still very entertaining, though, and a good story to tell. What's your thoughts on this one, John? See, I had an entire rant prepared for this match if it wasn't good. And I don't... <laughs> like, it's, oh, not okay. that I didn't, it's not that I didn't have faith in the people in it. It's just, obviously, I've been kind of vocal about how New Japan has treated Great Okan, considering how well he did over in Rev Pro. It's, it's still not perfect, and I still wish he wasn't part of this Empire stuff, but this was a great match. He looked like a monster. He looked like the Dominator. He genuinely had Tanahashi at his mercy for so much of this match. It was great. It, yeah. And Tanahashi really didn't win in a sort of con- like in a like diehard manner either. He clawed a victory out. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was really, really good. Yeah, um, so, sorry, people, you're not going to get to hear me compare Great Okan to Master Wato. No, I. This is the thing, and you also have to remember as well. It is a tradition if they actually have somebody big that they make them lose constantly. Uh, I would give you, Kenta Kobashi did not win a match in his first 18 months of making his debut on the main roster with All Japan Pro Wrestling, and the fans adored him. And they do it the same way with the heels as well. So I can see Great Okan not winning for quite, not winning big matches for quite some time until there's a big breakthrough, and then all of a sudden the floodgates will open. But for now, everything kind of is on course for him to be great. Yeah, they're getting oh, cool. the Jay White treatment, and it's working nicely because people are getting behind him. Yeah, yeah. Next, also, we have the idol. Screw you, Suji. I saw what you did. <laughs> <laughs> what lead along the United uh, United Empire to believing that he would join them, and then turning on them to support the guy that looks after him in the dojo, who is known to have one of the greatest wrestling minds in the world. Yeah, I want Khan to sort of break away from the Empire, forge his own army, and just have and just have Suji be the first member. Can you imagine that? Yeah, Great Okan commanding Suji against Tanahashi—that would be amazing. Screw Billy, make Okan <laughs> leader of the Empire. It's more believable. Well, yeah, that's, probably less that's racist. Oh, definitely. Well, is there anything not involving Billy Billy Osprey is going to be less racist, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like we need to clarify. We, as far as we know, Will Osprey isn't a racist. No, but you Japan he, keep giving him racist iconography, which doesn't help. I mean, and he 
seems to have adopted the handsome symbol of a couple of Proud Boys clubs, which is worrying. Again, um, I, I feel, not to defend old Billy here, but I feel like that's just him being an idiot. Yes. <laughs> the fact that he can't use Google is, uh, you know, beyond things here. But he did once dress as a psychopath. So, hey, mm-hmm. yeah, did you not see, when he came out and challenged Okada, if you look at a picture of him and AB against um, the uh, Reggie and Ronnie, the London gangsters. The Cray- oh, you're on about oh, the Cray- thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He looked exactly like uh, Ronnie Cray. Who For some yeah, reason, my psychopath. mind just went to horror movie villains and not real-life psychopaths. For some <laughs> reason. No, but there you go. Anyway, that was that. And it was good. It was very, very, very good. I don't think we've ne- seen a proper never open weight championship match from Tanahashi. I kind of like to see Ishii come in and show him how it's done. That would be interesting. Suzuki. I think it'll be. Uh, yeah. I think Suzuki, if you look at the never open weight champions of the past, who they currently have available that really made that division sing along, uh, Ishii, um, well, Ishii and Suzuki are the two that really spring to mind. You could get Togi Makabe if he's not doing anything, and he doesn't seem to be doing anything much at the moment. You're um, never going to get Shibata. You're not going to get Shibata, but yeah, to- Goto is, but Goto isn't, if you make this, if that makes sense. Ishii is more of an ever openweight champion than Goto was. We should get the best um, never openweight champion of them all to do it, actually. Tai Chi. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Yudro Takashi for a second, though. Um, <laughs> Yeah, imagine it—the Ace vs Tai Chi. Yeah, because he's had two two runs with the belt that Goto ruined both. Cause you mean one fairly and squarely in terrible matches because Goto and Tai Chi just don't work together. This was tell where this was Tai Chi when he was still rubbish though, and um, he's, and he's still trying to work out the kinks of the main event style. It wasn't Goto's fault. I think the first one was. The second one was post-Naito match where he really started to evolve. So I don't, yeah. know, I don't know what the reason... We missed something with the tag match. I just remembered on the so, um, English commentary side of things, I'm pretty sure Kevin Kelly was like, oh yes, maybe a team outside of New Japan might be challenging the Gorillas of Destiny. Ah, uh, yes, they did do that. But whoever goes has to do a 14-day quarantine. And... Okay. So that that's the issue. It's like maybe you could get an AEW team to go, but which one would you send? Because you're not going to send the books. You need them for booking duty. <laughs> they run the actual company. So I'd love it if it was proud and powerful. Yeah, that would actually be a match I would actually love to see. There is about seven teams in AEW. There's about three or four teams in Rev Pro. There's a couple of teams in Ring of Honor. And obviously there's some big teams in Impact Wrestling that would like to have a crack at them. I would like to see Aussie Open have another go because that was killer, watching them that wrestle. That was gorillas. amazing. I think they, and if, to be honest with you, if you're going to bring somebody else in from a different company, I go with Aussie Open because you can do so much more with Aussie Open than you can do with anybody else. That's in Australia though. Yeah. Well, you know, there's that. And Matt Davis um, has a match on the 6th, so... It's a possibility, though. 
of all the oh, teams that are definitely just and to be right. carry on I was going to say, in the future, definitely, but right now, logistically, it's not looking good. No. So, and it's like, Good Brothers are going back and forth between Impact and AEW, so you can't really have them. Uh, Private Party are currently going back and forth between Impact, AEW, and Ring of Honor, so you can't really use them. So... um, You can't have some machine guns, because Shelly's away from wrestling at the moment. Yeah. So there's there's a bunch of people that need to kind of sort themselves out, really. Um, we'll see, is I all I can say. I'd love it to be. Who's that? They bring in Team Filthy. So you've got just either Filthy Tom Lawler, J.R. Kratos, Chris Dickinson, uh, Danny Limelight. They just bring two of those guys over. And you just get a proper strong verse company battle. Hmm. I'm. I think it's got to be a bigger name than that, though. You can't pull guys from that level up to the main event. You've got to pull somebody in who's big if you're going to do it. Thing I just want to see Dickinson in Japan again. Chris Dickinson is a beast. Oh, and he is. Angeloa would be amazing. Just it the... would, but it wouldn't draw any money because he's not a big enough name in Japan. I mean, he is for the indies. If you put yeah, in the but... freedom or BJW ring, that will sell out in minutes. Yeah, but it's a completely different audience from New Japan audience. You've kind of got to go with somebody who's a name. True. And it's also got to be somebody... The books are ideal. The books versus G.O.D. would be perfect. But you're not going to get the books because they have to defend their spot in AEW. And, and again, the Good Brothers versus G.O.D. would be absolutely perfect. But you want to save that for Wrestle Kingdom. You don't want to do that off, well, maybe Dominion, but you want to save it for a big-ass show where you can really get the most out of it. You know, Good Brothers coming back to Japan to come and whip them young boys in in or another schism in Bullet Club. There's ways and means of doing it. Or they have a crack at World Tag League. Imagine what World Tag League would be like with Good Brothers in it and the Young Bucks in it. And say, um, who else is there? Not Iron Pat Wrestling. I can't even tell you. I know Impact Wrestling's like been built around tag teams for like the last three years, and I can't tell you it was Impact Tag Team. Oh, it's Good Brothers, isn't it? But you know, yeah. you, you've got you've got some things to go at over the year. But I don't think you start off with the Young Guns or sorry, the Young Bucks, just because it's the big name teams. Because you kind of got to build to it and get people used to it. And there's also the point Tony Khan was saying: there's there's oh, there's some problems with everybody just having everybody else's roster. And I think I think all the companies who are involved don't want to kind of like waste it. They want to spread it out as much as they possibly can, which I think is the right thing to do. I don't think you should rush through it. I actually, Rip Rogers posted something on Twitter this week that made me think of a lot, which he said, it's great that AEW Impact and Ring of Honor, uh, AEW New Japan and Ring, Ring of Honor and Impact are all working together. It won't last very long because somebody's ego will get in the way. I I saw that as well, and and he's absolutely right. And he's worked in these situations before, and worked for companies that have worked with other companies before. Um, I know Rip gets a lot of stuff for being a bit intolerant at times. However, he's absolutely correct when it comes to that. So yeah, um, we'll see. I all wish I can say. New Japan and DDT were on working terms because you've got this hilarious mental image of Nobu and Damnation just invading. 
New Japan, and Nobu's just running around the ring with his little de- his little damnation sign. And then Endo and Sas- Sasaki just pull up. Well, out of the cyber fight teams, I would pick Sugiara and Sakuraba. They would have a cracking one at the IWGP Tag Team Championships. I'd just send Akiyama and Marufuji. Send Akiyama and one other person. Why, why can't Cyberfight and Bushiro just work together? The amount of stuff they could put together if they just worked like together would be amazing. Because you've we'll got see, I all guess. those companies. Because you could have Stardom and TJPW Superfight. You could have New Japan Noah Superfights, New Japan DDT Superfights. It would be so cool. But again, you don't want to do it too often because the fans expect it. And it no longer ends up being special. That is the trouble, isn't it? That's the thing. You can't should, overdo it. They should just do the... Like they do with the memorial shows every now and then. Just yearly super fight cards. Maybe once a year, but you won't want it much longer than that. Because that's what happened to Joshi. It wore the product down over the space of about five years. till where you went from there being four arena-filling companies in 1995 to there being no companies left in 2005. So you have to be really careful with that stuff. And that wasn't all the cost promotional fault, but it certainly means you tend to run out of stuff to do over a period of time. Anywho, let us move on. El Desperado defeated Bushi and El Fantasma in 23 minutes and 12 seconds to take the vacant IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Hiromu Takahashi had to vacate it earlier this week after he was diagnosed with a pardon me, knee issue, which means he's going to be out for six months, which is really sad for Hiromo as he just got cooking. Oh, yeah, sorry. It was Tore a nightcore that was out with the knee injury, wasn't it? was it? Do apologize, yes. It was a pectoral muscle tear, which means he's going to be out for quite some time, and he had to give up Mr. Belt, but I think he'd be quite happy with the person that won it, don't you? Yeah, they've, they've got a, a long story together, the, the Takahashi and the winner here. Yes, definitely. And this, it was the this problem was with great. this. It was all right. The problem with this match for me is El Fantasmo, who you widely know. I think he's a, a lovely person. However, don't like his wrestling style, and there was just far too much El Fantasmo in this for me because it was about seventeen minutes of El Fantasmo, three minutes of Bushy, and three minutes of Desperado, and they were the three six interesting minutes, as far as I could tell, just because. I understand what ELP is trying to do, but it just isn't interesting to me. So therefore, it kind of spoiled it for me. And the guys at Cage Match, no one's voted for it yet, so I can't give you a Cage Match rating. I don't Which know. Maybe... I, I enjoyed it. I can see. I'm not. I'm not stopping it... you from enjoying it. I'm just saying it was a bit dull. I can see where you're coming from with the Phantasmo shtick. It could yeah. have done with a bit more energy from the other two, but at the end. When you got the, those like exciting moments, they really did pay off. And the fact that El Desperado is now IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, it's, it's just perfect. Despy's got a belt again. I can't be Two, happy. in fact. Because he and, of course, he and Nobu managed to beat uh, ELP and Ishimori for the IWGP Tag Team Championships this week, the Junior Heavyweights. Double gold Despy. I just wish he hadn't put his mask back on. Um, 
No, I like the mask, actually. I understand where you're coming from with that, but I actually like the mask, and I think it works for him. I do love how it looks, but it, it we've kind of gotten to the stage with him where he's sort of just like, I don't need the mask, I'll just fight you anyway. So I was hoping yeah. we'd get a repeat of that, because it, it seems to be like the big match trope for Despy. It's like someone rips his mask, he's like, you think I care about a mask? And then just break someone's jaw. <laughs> it would be great. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm really happy that Despy's got the title. To be honest with you, there has not been a more improved improved wrestler in the last five years in all of pro wrestling than Desperado. Because when he debuted, he was a bit ropey. To be honest with you, and then he got into Suzuki Gun, and Minoru Suzuki grabbed hold of him and told him showed him the way, and it's been outstanding ever since. And that leads us to the main event: Kota Ibuti defend Kota Ibuti. Coach Booty. Coach Booty. Like you were looking this match. Kota Ibushi successfully defends the Intercontinental Championship against Tetsuya Nato in 27 minutes and 50 seconds of another corker because these two cannot have bad matches with one another. I don't think it was their best. However, it was truly great. And. This is the thing. It doesn't have to be their best, and it's still going to be better than anything else you'll see. But it didn't top the match of the weekend, which was Ishii versus JY. So, what are your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, this, again, there are three things certain in life. Death, taxes, and Ibushi Naito putting on good matches. And this was another example of that. It was a lot slower. It was a lot more technical, and a lot more, again, ironically focused. I messaged you this as it as he started doing the technical stuff and it's just kinda of like the irony of Naito going after someone's knees. Well yeah, but it's logical thought progression, isn't it? It's like when it they is. go after my knees, it hurts a lot. So if I go after their knees, ah the thing see? is though, this this is a bushy and a bushy feels no pain after a certain like number of minutes. It's just like you did all the technical stuff, and then you still just started dropping him on his head anyway. <laughs> it, it was a nice build, and it, it made sense, considering this was another game that the two want to play against each other in the battle of like technical dominance. And it was a nice sort of change from continuously being on the edge of your seat, wondering who's going to break their neck. You still got Ibushi landing on his head off uh, Destino's, and yeah, it it was still really fun to watch, and it was way more memorable than the night one main event, considering I can actually remember it. Yeah, it was it was great. It's it's one of those things. It's like you can't really describe Bibushi and Nato. In the for once, they didn't try and kill each other. So like that's an improvement. It was a lot safer. You weren't going <gasps> every five minutes. Um, so it was a safer match, and it was kind of a more noble match in that sense. They were trying to have a wrestling match, not a shock and awe match, because they have had the shock and awe matches to get them where they are. They've both been double champions. They've both been at the top of the tree, you know, and now they can kind of tell a story differently and still keep you absolutely engrossed into everything they do, which is what Tetsu Yunato does. Tetsu Yunato is one of those guys who just walks in the room and you want to know where he's up to. And that's that's the kind of guys you need. Bushi isn't like that. He's something different, but he has that X factor that people are just drawn to it. 
Do you know the Bushi are just looking around the arena for what things could he possibly jump off of this time? Yes, but he's not allowed to anymore because <laughs> he can't go into the audience. But yeah, it's it was it was just exceptionally good. It was just like it was proper coffee at a nice boutique level coffee shop, and just the way you want it to be. It was what you expect Nator Ibushi to be. I can't really say it was. It wasn't earth shattering because we've seen him do it before. So therefore, it's going to get downgraded in people's memories because it wasn't like at the Tokyo Dome or anything like that. But it was still great, and it's still a watchable match. I don't think anything's going to top for me the image from G1 Supercard where Ibushi's just sat on Naito's head as he talks <laughs> that pile driver type move, and it's just like, oh god, the next not supposed to bend at that angle. <laughs> no, no, we'll see. Anyway, after that particular match, Juan El Desperado, the newly minted both tag team and singles junior heavyweight champion, came down and genuinely congratulated Kota Ibushi on his championship defense and challenged him to the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental championships at the 49th anniversary this Thursday, which doesn't give him much build, at, um, where are they going to be at? Nippon Budokan, Nippon Budokan Hall on Thursday for the 49th anniversary. Yes, this Thursday, 49 years ago, um, that would be your uh, Antonio Inoki taking taking on Carl Gotch in the very first New Japan main event show. And 49 years later, you've got a shooter trained by a guy from Wigan hmm, going up against the world's renowned technically genius in the company. Hmm. The more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> but, fair, I don't think you need much build-up for a match like that. It's no, because I mean, it's just going to be great. Because apparently, the last time they wrestled each other was exactly seven years before, or for a championship was for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. When Despy was a babyface, believe it or not, and was on his cusp of turning to Suzuki Gun, um, he he challenged uh, Ibushi for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Then, so it is a seven-year story, but it's the kind of things they kind of fall back and forth on. It's not a feud, but you know they both got great professional respect for one another. Despy will do absolutely anything to win, and honestly. I actually wouldn't be surprised if he walked out of there with both belts because I'd actually quite like to see that. I'd like to see how Despy would take a run at the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and how he would defend it and how giving away £40 to these guys is he going to keep up. But I have a feeling he could do it because he could do anything he put his mind to. That's his character. Despy's kind of the most believable junior that could be a heavyweight as well. Now, yeah. Those sort of stop pretending it's like he's sort of the guy that you could see do it all Not to yeah. mention, this is a guy that can get hardcore because I've seen him in death matches against the greatest death match wrestler on the planet he can get technical he can get fast he can be a brawler like Despy is kind of like the Swiss army knife of New Japan he can fit any role you need him to. So giving him the belts 
doesn't seem that far-fetched because you need a champion like that. Yeah, I also... I mean, he is short. That's the big issue. He's shorter by a good three or four inches to everybody else in the heavyweight roster. So it looks less believable. But he's also not an aerial wrestler. You know, he has no real aerial arsenal. And that helps. It's one of the things that holds Bushi back is because he's kind of halfway between an aerial and a mat wrestler, mainly because his knees are gone. He can't do the aerial stuff anymore that he used to do when he was younger. And it's cut his adaptability, shall we say. Whereas Despy has always been a mat wrestler. You know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. And you're going to get what you see. And it's going to be absolutely amazing to watch. So I would love to see Despy versus Ibushi. And I actually wouldn't mind seeing him as heavyweight champion because I think that would be incredible. And how cool would the promo pitches after the match look with him holding five championship belts? You'll look like that Photoshop <laughs> Triple H picture, only believable. Oh, the, the, the Ultimo Dragon one. It would be so cool. It would, wouldn't it? It'd just be absolutely amazing. And the place would go, Nippon would go mental as well. That's the other thing. If, like, Despy, junior heavyweight mid-carder of the last five years, beats Ibushi in the main event, the place would erupt. (laughs) So that would be amazing. We know Desperado's a draw. Yeah, we do. He is. The curiosity factor alone would make it a draw. Yeah. So they're at Budokan Hall on Thursday, and then on Friday we start the New Japan Cup. Any predictions on the New Japan Cup? Uh, probably just the same one I take every year, Jay White. I'm not far behind you. I kind of... I, no, well, go ahead. Carry on. I was just going to say, because we're on the sort of redemption road for Jay White, because he's sort of had his big his big breakdown. He's not going to have a redhead or cardamom and he's just going to go straight back to killing people off. I think I, that's where I'm at with it as well. Partly that. The other option for me is Okada just because he got cheated out of the final last year and he's kind of making big noises to be back in the IWGP Heavyweight Championship picture and Ibushi versus Okada is money but we might want to save that for Wrestle Kingdom next year. I, if they don't give it to Despy, I can see them giving the belt back to White. Yeah. At least for the interim. Because White might not be good for a long-term champion, as much as I think he would be. But if they want to build towards, like, big crowning moment Okada again, they can do a repeat of the G1 Supercard. Well, I think, yeah, I think, well, here's my thoughts. Here's a possibility. Jay wins the J the Jay wins the J Cup, beats Ibushi, Ibushi picks the title back up at Dominion, and then Okada wins the G one and we go to Wrestle Kingdom. Possibly. I, I, I wish White would have more than one defense. Because this will be the second time in a row he's lost the belt on his first defense. No, he got plenty of time till Dominion. Dominion's not till July, so if he wins the title in April and then drops it again in July, he would get two or three defences in before he did. That's the reason why I'm saying it. I don't think Jay's going to be... You're right, I don't think Jay's going to hold the title for a year, but he's going to hold it for six months. 
and he needs one of those reigns. He needs something, an in-between reign. That's what he needs. I don't think he's ready for the Akad or Ashimoto 18 months and kill everybody reign yet. <laughs> I, I think he will get one of those, though, as a heel, and I think it will be amazing. I think it'll be like a proper Ric Flair, Nick Bockwinkle, turn them all back kind of run. But I don't think it's there yet. I don't think when he gets to 30 and he's got all his faculties and everything's clicking on all four cylinders, I think it'd be just the right age to do it like Akada did. Um, but I don't think we're going to get that yet. But I can see him holding the belt for three or four months just to tick things over and get a bushy hot again. It's kind of hilarious, isn't it? They've got they're boasting a field of 32 competitors and we already like feel like we can predict the winner. It's just because of the booking that they've put together. And we don't know. This is this tournament takes two weeks. It's a long, long time. And we saw NATO had to drop out of matches this week because he had to get as clear as knee injury. And me, Takahashi um, had to drop out of the I tags of the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship batch. All of these things can have a spanner thrown in the works quite easily by somebody not taping a knee correctly or slipping on a mat. That's the thing. That's the trouble with schedules like this. It's not the big, it's the big injuries that do have more chance to occur. It's not that they're more prevalent because they're working a more dangerous style. I think it's just genuinely because they spend more time in a ring, so therefore you've got more chance of going hurt. But there you go. But that's that. Uh, you will now hear a message from our sponsor. Do you remember Lance Von Erich from World Class Championship Wrestling? Read all about his career in Portland, in Dallas, and overseas in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read passages by Dusty Wolf, David Manning, and Kevin Von Erich. 25 chapters in all. You'll be surprised by what you read. Get your book today on Amazon. And I would like to thank... My guest for today, Mr. John Dinsdale. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Thank you for having me on, as always, and not subjecting me to trash this time. It's okay. I appreciate your efforts. <laughs> you can find me at Sherry of Lone Star. Or oh, where can we find you on the internet? You can I normally find me ask. On, the, on the Twitter machine under John Deathman. That is the gateway to hell, as I like to call it, for writing links and basically opinions gaming rants occasionally when i'm having a bad night and just <laughs> yeah if you want to interact with me that's the best place to do it just you can find you can find me at sheriff lone star on twitter you can find the show troop any show on twitter is a request can we get to 450 followers on twitter for the troop any show that would be lovely it's taken us a long time to get to 400 and i'd like to get to 450 before summer if you wouldn't mind recommending some people to follow us on twitter um because this is what i don't get there's like we have more listeners to the show the more follow twitter followers than there is listeners to the show on the first play we get about 250 on the first play but most of our episodes will eventually have a thousand listeners it's just people don't always come to the truth show as the first thing on monday morning as you'd expect so I'm trying to make sure people are aware of the Twitter account that you can get news about the show and Wrestling Rewind and all the things we do. I would also like to thank, uh, also like to point you towards the Facebook, which we where we have 12 followers. I know it's because wrestling fans don't like Facebook, and that's understandable because you've got things like the Progress Facebook group. Um, what with uh, Paul Robinson's statement? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that yet? 
No, it's Ace. I will have, I've read the commentary on it, which is even better. So that's that's funny. Uh, apparently, yeah, no, I just I can't because a lot of the things that have been said on Twitter aren't particularly funny, big or clever. Well, they are clever and they are funny. Not particularly legal, though. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, nah, progress. One one day we will do a show on progress and the awfulness that they have been in the last 12 months. It's a shame ah. because they've got so many good people in the company that they're ruining just by being dickheads. Well, just no, not by necessarily being dickheads, just by being inept. That's all, all you have to do is not hire the people that got you in trouble last time. That's all you have to do. You literally do not have to do anything else. You just go out of your way to ensure the people that caused you all the negative press you had in the last six months no longer work for the company again. So hiring one to be a producer is entirely your fault. It's not hard. But anyway. You can't help it, can you? Because it's all stupid. It is just stupid. It's the, and I don't think the people involved are particularly awful people. I just think that they're trying to get jobs for the boys to please everyone, and it doesn't work like that anymore. You can't do it. It's not a close shot. Everybody knows everything. Back in the day, the crab trees could run the British wrestling industry, pay everybody nathal, and get away with it. Do you know why? Because it was a closed shop and what stayed in the business, stayed in the business. Nobody talked about anything. You didn't have anybody ratting things off to the newsletters. Sean Ross's phone wasn't going bring, bring, bring with Cat Weasel explaining a payoff in Doncaster. No, because that stuff didn't happen then, but it sure as hell happens now. And if something happens in a wrestling ring in the United Kingdom, you're going to find out about it. So don't do stupid things. Rant over. Sorry. <laughs> And on hey, that bit of disappointment. Yes. Moving on. New Japan Cup. There'll be cool things in it. I am sure that I'll be a lot happier about than some of the things I've had to talk about this weekend. Or we might just start watching Nowhere every week and not care. Take care and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. <laughs>